Home builders continue to see demand, but in a very different way with mortgage rates rising. The pressure is on to find that new equilibrium where people in America bought tons of homes over the last couple of years and now don't have a lot of incentive to leave them. Let's bring in Brad Dillman, joining us, the chief economist at Cortland and a former insider in the home building world. Brad, welcome back. Good to be with you. Okay, so the latest here, housing continues to be under pressure. These earnings don't look terrible from companies like Lennar and KBH, but not enough for the stock market. What do you think is going on? Well, I mean, they're feeling the impact of higher mortgage rates, and uh, that's gotten a lot of attention. But I think what we're also going to start to see is the impact of these higher short-term rates, what they're going to mean for starting new projects, right? We can all look to what's going to happen on the transaction side. But now we're looking at higher short-term rates, even starting new projects, completing projects that are underway is, be, is going to become less profitable, less attractive. What kind of projects right now uh, need to be made? I mean, are the home builders going to uh, build for a lower price? Are they going to uh, build a house that's only going to sell for 20, for 80% of what it would have uh, a year ago? I don't think we're going to see anything like that anytime soon. We also have to remember we already have a record number of housing units under construction and it's still growing. So we have 1.7 million housing units under construction. Uh, we also only have, at least by our estimate, a shortfall of 1 million housing units. So in my, my view, we are overproducing housing right now. And I think we can look to the Fed, who has been raising rates to cool the economy. They might be looking at a metric like this and saying, this is precisely why we need to be slowing financial conditions so that we're not going to be overproducing housing. Because we're still bringing in about, you know, we're starting one and a half million housing starts, right, is the most recent figure. That's still a lot. The real question here then is going to be, you know, what's going to be happening on the population growth side? That's an interesting point. Uh, are we going to have enough people to fill these homes? Well, and I think that's, that's sort of the, the thing that everybody's wondering, right? During the Trump administration, we had a slowdown in legal immigration, right? Maybe that wasn't so bad when you're massively underbuilt when it comes to housing. We are narrowing that gap. The Biden administration is likely returning us to a more normal legal immigration policy, but now you've got a 15-year high in illegal immigration, right? So if you add the population of Oregon to this country in a two-year time frame, that's going to help make up for some of what really right now is excess housing under construction. Again, 1.7 million housing mm -hmm. units under construction, a shortfall of only 1 million housing units. So you've kind of got two things are going to have to move at the same time. Just what the home builders are doing, what this new supply is going to do, and then just what this population growth is going to do. And the reality is, especially when it comes down to illegal immigration, we're not going to know the numbers for some time. So the uh, minus, uh, take out the uh, immigration uh, uh, numbers and we are oversupplying housing. Uh, so there's some uh, variance on what will happen from immigration. But generally, if we kind of assume that uh, we'll kind of follow this track of more people entering, uh, then we should get, uh, obviously, another section of demand coming from that. So then what do we right. track? What's the, what's the key metric here? I mean, is it prices uh, of homes? Is it number of homes? Is it the, the backlog? What's going to really be the determining factor when we're listening to these earnings and looking at the numbers and the data? I think they're going to have to look to the unit counts, right? Because the reality is right now, there's just there's a record amount of housing under construction that's going to close the shortfall that had been created by really the, the, the recovery experience of coming out of the Great Recession. 
So the home builders are going to have to sit there and say, hey, like just how much more housing units are going to be needed, where those are going to be needed. That is going to be a calculus that relates to this population growth. And you show me the home builder that's really got the kind of advanced analytics in-house uh, to do these kinds of analyses. I don't think many of them do. Mm. Now, looking at the, the regional breakdown, what about the exodus that we saw from uh, cities into the burbs, into uh, uh, towns uh, that uh, hadn't previously been major, uh, you know, uh, cities or focuses, that kind of COVID diaspora that happened. Uh, are, do people stay in those homes? Are we going to have like an economic shift where the activity goes to these new locations? Did we see permanent change? Because if the mortgage rate weren't spiking and then New York, Chicago, LA, these major cities pick up again, people might migrate back. But it seems like right now there's enough work from home and there is too expensive of an opportunity cost to leave your home right now. Yeah, that definitely is the case. Uh, and the labor market's still strong, right? Uh, I realize there's you know some weakening out there, but uh, you know until an employer can really mandate that people are back in the office, their hands are kind of tied. I think there's no doubt that some element of work from home is going to stay. Uh, in, in some respects, it's sort of a, you know, a continuation of migration trends that had really been going on since 2012 and have, have precedent even uh, prior to that. Uh, but what we're also seeing these people who are moving are changing the economic landscape of where they're going to. So, uh, you know, a market like Nashville, which had great in-migration for some time uh, and, and, you know, continued to benefit during the pandemic, really, as people move to the Sun Belt, you know, the profile of that market has changed economically. You know, the percentage of office using employment, ironically, you know, has, has increased a lot, right? So a lot of this migration, people are carrying human capital with them. It is revitalizing and it's changing different parts of the country that really haven't been on the radar for quite some time when we think about where, where economically important locations are to this nation. Okay. Uh, and uh, Brad, when you uh, look at the uh, data we're getting, what's the timeline you think where we could see some of this normalize. I mean, is this a matter of months? Is it years? And uh, do we have any historical precedent? I mean, the way prices moved and uh, the way the uh, number of houses getting built moved kind of reminded us of, of 08. It wasn't quite as extreme, but like, what's the, the timeline? What do we, how do we arrive at that timeline? Is there any historical period that's uh, applicable here? Yeah, so in 08, right, we were overbuilt by about two and a half million units. So right now, at least, you know, we're underbuilt by one, one million units when we're, wow. we've got this kind of excess production. So there's plenty of runway here, I think, to really step on the gas intelligently. Uh, and then we are, sorry, step on the brakes intelligently. And then we're also going to have to think about what happens with population growth, namely what's going to happen on that immigration side. Uh, you know, if we forecast our metric about just how underbuilt the country is and, you know, we, we make different assumptions, I think you got a solid still, you know, because of population growth, about five years before we even hit an equilibrium, and then you're probably going to have even more runway after that as we, you know, overbuilt before that becomes um, extremely problematic. I'll give you an example. These same estimates would show that you hit equilibrium maybe in 2000, 2001 when it came to how over underbuilt we were, and then you had basically an eight-year period of continuing to be overbuilt before that finally ran its course. So there's definitely been a worse situations in the past and, than what we're in now. Uh, but I think the Fed really is on the right path when it's looking at these rate hikes when we're when we're thinking about wanting to make financial conditions, particularly on the construction space, a little bit uh, more deleterious to the to the builder. Okay. So uh, is there any way we get through the next six months, uh, you know, to eight months without more price declines? 
I think in the next six months, we're going to see, you know, the Fed's going to give us another 50, 75 basis points before the elections. I think the elections may shake up rate hike expectations. Uh, right now, our base case is we think that there's actually going to be some rate cuts, uh, you know, certainly in the first half of next year. So I think wow. we're going to feel some pain here with these rate hikes. That's going to echo through the economy. And then we may see a, a reversal uh, and then a little bit more of a moderation as we think about you know, the, the, the speed of home price growth slowdown. Uh, the speed of inflation slowdown, all of this may may moderate to something more sustainable by mid next year. Calling a big bluff on the Fed's uh, dot plot we saw this week, uh, where not me, it's the market. I just I'm following the market. People are putting money against it, and uh, yeah, they anybody who puts their money where their mouth is is making a statement. Okay, all right, uh, appreciate it, Brad. Thanks for the take. Uh, like the housing discussion is always helpful for us. Brad Dillon joining us from Cortland.